Amen. Lord, thank you so much for our, our time today, our time to be together, our time to worship you. And for those especially who are here for the first time, Lord, thank you for sending them. And I pray that, Lord, they will feel, this will feel like home to them, deep down in their heart. And, Lord, just a place to belong, just the people that are here. It's where it starts. And so we're just grateful. Grateful for what you've uh, taught us and what you're going to teach us today. May it impact our hearts deeply, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to do try something today. It's going to be really difficult for me. I'm going to try to be brief. i got to pray for me. This is going to be hard. Because I'm really excited about, um, about this message and about this series. And so I'm going to let the uh, tech team kind of lead us. Uh, with, through the presentation, and that'll help me to make sure that we are on point. So just just go ahead and, and, and lead me a little bit on um, on our message today. So when you, so our next our series is going to be about the church, the early church, the first church in the Bible, what really the New Testament church. And there's a description there um, that's very that's very commonly used to describe. Of what happened, what the church was like. It's in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. I didn't put that on screen today, but Jesus designed the church to do something very specific. And it was interesting in those days that the church went through a lot of struggles because for the first time, the church was opening its doors to people that didn't belong. See, for a long time, God's people had thought they were the chosen ones, and if you didn't come from our background, and you didn't come from our race or our ethnicity, I don't really like the word race, it doesn't really exist, but our ethnicity or our background, right, then, then you didn't really belong. We had to make exceptions for you to be among us. But Jesus had in his mind, when, he, when the church was born, after he was, had died and rose again, that he was going to do something different. He was going to build something different. And we saw a piece of that with the people he chose. The people he chose were kind of unqualified people. They were people that really didn't belong to be church leaders. And he was setting a standard uh, by how he led them and how he spent time with them. What did he do? Well, he spent time with them. He fellowshiped with them. They were close together. They were really Jesus' close friends. They were really a small group. And in that small group, what they did not know is they did not touch and understand the sense of belonging that they really needed. You know, you know why I know that? Because one of them went astray, and they didn't know it. The Bible tells us that there were 12 disciples. One of them betrayed Jesus, but ultimately uh, hung himself full of regret for what he had done. But it's interesting as it describes how he went to do that that his people, his friends, didn't even know where he was going. They thought maybe he was going to go buy some food. They thought maybe he was going out. And they didn't really understand what was going on in the heart of Judas. But as Jesus built the church to include people that were considered outsiders and people that were considered strange, when he set the church up, he set it up to be countercultural, to be completely different than anything that anybody had seen. And as a result in Acts chapter 2, it describes what this church was like. And there was some crazy stuff going on. There were people who were selling all they had to give to other people. These people were together every single day. They were breaking bread. They were reading the Bible. They were understanding what they had been taught. 
and there was a community being built with these people. And so in this community that God instituted as the church, it was, it was things like women who were not exalted or were not celebrated, who were not given voice. In the church, they were. Those who were slaves or those who were poor, those who were of low economic status, they were lifted up. Those who were of high economic status and those who were the elite, they were brought down. And this church, this community that God had designed the church to be was supposed to include everyone, build everyone up, give, lift people up that needed to be lifted up, and humble those that needed to be humbled. And that was how God designed the church. It wasn't through marketing. It wasn't through worship teams. It was, they didn't have any buildings. They didn't have any of that. The only thing they had was that they belonged to people. And they had Jesus in common. And I'm just persuaded that that design, what God designed, is what God wants. And it's not just for church. It's for your life. All of us want to be around people where we belong. And this, this um, as I begin to kind of open up what this series is going to be about, and I'm, I'm not just kind of giving you an int, uh, um, a preview of the series. I'm, I'm kind of setting the ground rules. I'm kind of setting the subject uh, so that we can understand where we are going. God wants to make room in our lives for what is important to him. See, all of us want to feel like we belong. We all have a place where we feel like it feels like home. There are people that we're around where we just feel like we can let our hair down. We can just relax and be who we are. And sometimes God's saying, the work that you need to do in order to be who you are requires some intervention. Because I'm trying to do something in you. I'm trying to give you the people that you need or the things that you need. But I need to make room in your life for things that are important to me. Because, let's just, let's just be honest, there are a lot of things in our lives that are important to us. Right? They're important to me. God, you can't be asking me to move that. You can't be asking me to remove that. Yeah, there's not enough room. You have a certain amount of capacity. You have a certain amount of energy in a day. You have a certain amount of time. You cannot do everything, but there are some things that God is saying, if you just removed this, you'd have time for them. If I just move this out the way, you'd actually have more time, here you go ladies, for yourself. I should say moms too. So there's room, but there are other things that we might feel is, are important to us that need to be removed. Self-confession here. I had a really bad Facebook binge this week. It was bad. I really regressed. I had a, like 11 o'clock to like 1 in the morning Facebook binge. Anybody have one of those? It was a bad idea. I got way too much stuff going on. Like, I don't know what happened. I just was away from social media. I was trying to catch up. And it was bad. I was reading every article, everything. And I really got caught up. It kind of had to remind me, look, you've got 24 hours like everybody else. <laughs> right? And you, 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 you can't risk the time. Two hours is, is a lot of time. That's a tenth. 
Right? Am I doing the right math? 24 hours? 2.4? 2.4 hours is it 22? Is it the 10th of 24 hours? Two hours. Sure. Two hours and 12 minutes? I think two hours and 12 Two hours is a 10th, right? It's a time of the day. Anyway, forget. I didn't write it down. See, that's what I'm talking about. Let's keep going. You know what I'm trying to say? I'm wasting time. And so God is like, you got to get the right people in your life. See, this is, this is what we naturally gravitate towards. We naturally gravitate towards ourselves. Doing our thing. Spending time with us. But in community, um, as God has designed us, that we're not really designed to live alone. Matter of fact, when you look at the creation story, as God made the first uh, human couple, he made Adam first, and he's looking at Adam like, it is not a good idea for this brother to be alone, okay? <laughs> he is not going to make it. Now, of course, the, the woman was not an afterthought. Can I just say that? Thank you. Can I just support women right now? 100% parenthetically, I support Me Too movement 100%. If you have been abused in any way, you have a right to speak. Your pastor will support you, and I support all women. Okay, let's just put that on YouTube. <laughs> for real. It's like, you know what? It's not good for either one of them to be alone. I want community, and God, even in of itself, is community. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're a family, and God wants us to be in community. So what I want to kind of introduce to you today is a concept of community that I think is really powerful. And as, as Megan mentioned, uh, to talk about belonging. I love this book um, uh, that I've been assigned to read for school by Peter Block. And this book is about community. It was something that he really uh, did that was powerful in us explaining what community is. And as he begins to break down this word belonging, he gives two definitions I want to give you. I think it's really powerful. He talks about belonging in the sense of us being related to. He describes it as the opposite of feeling like I'd rather be somewhere else. Think about this in the context of even your church experience for those who belong to this church or are part of this church. If you feel like I'd rather be somewhere else, you don't really belong. Now, it's not the decision of those here. It's that you don't feel like you belong. When you're in a place where you can rest and feel like I'm among friends, then you know you belong. Belonging feels like home. I'm not worried if I fall asleep, nobody's going to take nothing out of my purse, right? I'm, I'm like, I'm not worried somebody's going to talk. Like, I feel safe, I feel comfortable. Anytime people start to feel like I'd rather be somewhere else when they're with you, there's a problem. Can we, can we just be honest about that? If Someone some like, I definitely don't belong at my job. I, I definitely, 100%, I do not want to be there. <laughs> but there's something about even building community at the places where we are. It's a gift to be able to apply the, this practice of what God instituted with not only the, the relationship family, the core unit family, but also the church. It's all the same. Do I feel comfortable? Can I really be myself here? Do I really know who myself is? 
we, we're tearing down uh, the need for any barriers in here for you to have to come and pretend and put up a facade and put up a story so that you can be here. I want you to know you are safe here just the way you are. You do not have to pretend Amen. to be anybody when you come here. You belong in the family of God. We are told that we are all God's children. And so part of belonging is to feel at home. Here's the second part of this definition. This is my favorite. He talks about belonging is being an owner. That to act as creator and co-owner of the community that you're in. Can you break down, that down a little bit? Not only do it, does it feel like home in this community, not only do I feel like I belong, I am actually going to act as a creator and a co-owner of this community, which makes me responsible for those who are in the community. When I feel like I belong here, I take responsibility of making sure that others feel that they belong. I make sure that the place feels like home. I make sure that I prepare the place in a way that people are received and know that they're a part of the community. Here's, 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 the, here's, a, here's a big picture of what we're doing as a church, especially moving as a new movement. What we have decided is that we are owners, we are part owners, we're going to create, as, act as creators in our community. Right, right, right. Right. That makes we belong to East Pasco. Therefore, we are responsible for the well-being, for the success, for the safety of those who live in our community. So we want them to know that not only do we belong in the church, in the community, but they belong as a part of us, as an extension of God's family. There are people who do not realize that they belong to God's family. So we're not about getting people to come to uh, this false reality or come to our church as much as we are letting them know that we are a part of the community. We love the community. We support you. We care about you. And you, this is your family over here on 2200 East Adele. And it's important because when you know that you're a part of something, you take care of it. You know, when you feel like you're a part of something, you do stuff that shows that you care about how the success happens, uh, what success looks like in the community. So when you, when you make room, as we look at this, God's saying, I want to make room in your life for what is important to me. There are people that I want to give you and send to you that you need. You just don't realize it. There's wisdom. That's going to come the mouth comes from the mouth of people that are in your circle, in your group, that you need to hear. You don't realize it, but that business idea is going to come from it bouncing off of you. You're going to make major decisions in your life because you have people in your life that you can trust. And so I want to give you a picture of God today that shows you this barrier, this tension of God wanting to give you something and how we resist it. We have a tendency to resist what God wants for our lives, don't we? 
we have a tendency to keep what we don't need and get rid of what we do need. We have a tendency to hold on to the wrong things and resist the right things. We, we, we resist what is good for us and we accept what is bad for us. I want to give you some tension. I want to give you, I want to talk about the tension. I want to show you some passages here. And I want to start with 2 Chronicles chapter 7. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. I want you to really see this picture of God. I want you to see the frustration of God, right? Wanting to bless you, wanting you to make room, wanting to give you something, but there's, there's too much stuff already there. Your capacity is full. And he's like, I really got to get rid of that mess so that I can fill you with this blessing. So here's what the Bible says. Now, in the context of this, this is Solomon, one of the kings of Israel, and he's building the first mega church for God. He's building the first temple for God. So the Bible says, being in verse 11, right? So Solomon finishes the temple of the Lord as well as the royal place. He completed everything he had planned to do in the construction of the temple and in the palace. Then one night, the Lord appeared to Solomon and said, I, heard, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this temple as the place for making sacrifice. He said, otherwise, he said, this is it. Thank you for building this. You have told me that I belong here. You have built a place for me to be. So he says, I accept it. I am going to come. I'm going to make this my home. Then he begins to break some things down. He says, at times... I may shut up the heavens so that no rain falls or command grasshoppers to devour your crops or send plagues among your people. So it's at times this is going to happen because this is going to happen in this relationship with me and you. I'm going to break down what's going to happen and why I'm going, what I'm going to do. In other words, if calamity and hardship comes to you, then if my people who are called by what? My name, you can speak back, it's okay. Called by my name, right? If they humble themselves and pray and seek my face, here's the key, and turn from their wicked ways, right? So the calamity and, and all the pain is coming because they have decided to turn from God. He says, but if you, if you get to the point where you recognize this, if you humble yourself, if you seek my face and you turn, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will restore their land. My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. Look at that. Listen to that. What, that doesn't that sound amazing? That God's like, I'm going to hear every prayer that's said. I'm going to listen to everything that you say. Um, for I have chosen this temple... And set it apart to be holy, a place where my name will be honored forever. I will always watch over it, for it is dear to my heart. God says, thank you for setting up your temple for me to dwell in. If we get in a point in our relationship where things are starting to go bad and stuff starts to come your way, I want you to remember to pray, to seek my face, and to humble yourself. Let me throw these words up on the screen. To be humble. See the tension here. God wanting to answer prayers. God wanting to heal the land. God wanting to bring prosperity. But he said, there's a problem. The barrier that's resisting me from bringing that is a lack of humility. And basically, 
being the lack, the opposite of being humble is to have a God complex. It's pretty much I make it happen. I'm in charge. I take care of myself. I got this. I don't need nobody else. I call the shots. It's my way, the highway. When that that perspective. It's a perspective of I am God and I don't need God, which is a very natural perspective up for us in our broken, simple state. But God's like, no, I need you to deep, what is it? I need to be exalted. I need you to be humble. Right? I need you to say, no, you don't, I don't got this. Yeah, it was my fault. Yeah, I went the wrong direction. And God's like, cool. Are we on the same page here? Let me move in. Let me show you another text. This is in Malachi. <coughs> Being humble. Here's the other one. In Malachi, let me turn here real quick. Oh boy, where are we at? Okay. Malachi chapter 3. Look what the Bible says. Malachi chapter 3, uh, verse, um, verse 6. Yes. Oh, I got Micah. I wonder. Not right. Okay. <laughs> chapter 3. I'm going old school with my Bible, right? I like the old school sometimes. All right. I am the Lord. I do not change. This is why your descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. That's a pretty strong, strong verse. He's basically saying the only reason you're not destroyed is because you're my people. Otherwise, you'd be, you'd be messed up. That's what he's saying. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and you have failed uh, to obey them. Now return to me. I will return to you, says the Lord of heavenly armies. But you ask. How can we return to you when we've never gone astray? Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. I said, you hustling me. How, how, what do you mean? But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and of the offerings due to me. You are under a curse. Your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring, look what he says, all the tithes. Not all the money. See, tithe was 10% that God said, I'm going to bless you with. I'm going to give you provision. And if you're humble, you understand God's really the one that gives me the ability to get the money that I get. So I'm asking of you to return back to me. Return means I had it first, right? I gave you my ball back. It was mine. Return back to me the 10% of your income. That's a tithe. And offerings which went towards the temple, which took care of God's people, which took care of the poor, took care of the community. He said, you robbed me. Bring all the tithes. Don't bring me a part of it. Bring all of it to me in my storehouse so there'll be, there'll be enough money to pay the lights, right? Enough money to feed the kids. Enough money to do ministry. In my storehouse, my food in my temple. If you do so, says the Lord of armies, look what he promises here. I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room. I want that kind of blessing. I don't know about y'all. God is the first one who says, I'm going to make it rain. That's what he's saying. I'm making it rain so much. There's no room. You don't even have room. He says, look what I love this. He says, try it. God says, put me to the test. Ooh, that's good language. God's like, put me 
to the test. Your crops will be abundant. I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord. All nations will call you blessed, and your land will be so such a delight, says the Lord of heavenly armies. Here's what I want to put on the screen. Being obedient. God says, look, 10% tithe and offering. That comes to me. Just be obedient. Just trust me. And if you can be obedient, I'll pour so much blessing over you, you won't even believe it. You look 10 years younger. <laughs> you look 20 pounds lighter. <laughs> I mean, your muscles will look good because you can buy a really expensive shirt that makes your muscles look good. You ain't even got to work out. <laughs> Being obedient. Look at this one. Luke chapter 11. I'll give you two more, and then I'm going to close. You'll hear the soft music. Luke 11. Luke 11 says, verse 23, this is Jesus explaining something. Anyone who isn't with me opposes me. Anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. I wish I had time to teach this. I'll teach this later in the series. But in other words, if you're in community and you're not working to build community, Jesus is actually saying you're working against me. I consider you an enemy when you're not for me. If you're opposing me, if you're going against the direction of where I'm leading the community, you're actually going against me. Which is actually good news because God defends the cause of the orphan. God descends the cause of the widow. God defends the cause of the poor. And I, I'm, I'm boldly declaring that even in our community, that as we are a church, we will defend the cause of the poor. We will defend the cause of the broken, of the abused, of the oppressed. And we have God who will stand because he promises, I will work towards and defend my people. So if we're not working for the good of the community, right? We're working against them. Let me keep reading. Here's what he says. So he says, when an evil spirit leaves a person and goes into the desert searching for rest. Go, go into the desert for rest. But when it finds none, it says, I'm going to return to the person I came from. Notice that theme. House, spiritual house, right, is a mess. Evil spirits in charge. Evil desires in charge. Evil inclinations in charge. We say, God, forgive me. God comes in, cleans the house, and all the trouble leaves. All the evil leaves. Says, it goes away. And it's like, man, I can't find anybody else to mess up. So I'm going to go back to you. And try to bring the same drama, same mess, same structure back into your life. So he, ref he returns. He finds that it's its former home and it's all swept and in order. This is, this is why when we talk about uh, making room, we'll be talking about it's not just enough to remove what's there. Look what Jesus says. Then the spirit finds seven more. Spirits. More evil than itself. And they all enter the person and live there. And so that person is worse off than before. See, I'll put this word on the screen. God wants to show us this very 
and teach us about being intentional. Just removing, but not being intentional about inviting and filling the Holy Spirit in our life, we actually can be worse off than before. I see it so many times. People who grew up in church, people who grew up in church go away from God and are like kind of floating in the church like zombies, worse off than they ever were before. Because they were not intentional about getting the, having the Lord fill their life with prayer, with Bible study, with service, with people around them, trying to do it by themselves, trying to figure it out on their own. It just doesn't work. Last one, Psalms 37. And this is uh, two verses here. I'll just use one on the screen. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Amen. God's like, I want to pour out to you abundantly and honor you by giving you what your heart desires. Here's what you got to do. You got to take delight in the Lord. In other words, you got to be committed. Like, taking delight means I'd rather not be anywhere else but with you. Taking delight means, man, what you think is important, I think is important. Taking delight means, what's your favorite tea? That's my favorite tea. What's your favorite food? That's my favorite food. What's your favorite place to go? That's my favorite place to go. Taking delight in the, in the, in the Lord. Not just tolerating the Lord. Not just saying, all right, God, you can kick it with me a little bit just for the weekend. Now look, Saturday night, I'm going to holler at you on Sunday morning. And then I might holler at you again on Wednesday. And I'll see you at the church. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. But Monday through Tuesday, I ain't got time for this. And you know what? You know what small groups is? It's about making time. It's about being in touch with people who care about you. It's about being in a place that feels like home. That says God, God's presence is with you all the time. It's taking delight in the Lord and not in what is important to you. So you know what I'm going to close with? I didn't do too bad. It was over what I wanted to do. Not too bad. Preparation is not passive. Making room involves preparation. But preparation is not passive. If you've lived by yourself, you've been a bachelor or bachelorette, you can put your drawers right next to a box of cereal. Nobody cares. If you live by yourself, you can put your socks in the refrigerator if you want to. You can do whatever you want. Right? You, 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 can, you can live nasty if you want. But your grandmama's coming over to your house, right? Somebody's coming. Cleaning goes to a whole nother level when somebody's coming to your house. Let's just be honest. You can, you, you can skip all around the Legos and the toys. You know where all that stuff is. You don't care. I mean, I literally have like a basket. It's either dirty or clean. And you know, you just got to go in the clean basket, 
They don't even make it to the drawer half the time. My gloves, sometimes, for the most part. I just already told you, yeah, they don't. But somebody's coming over, right? I mean, if somebody's coming over your house, you just take it to a whole nother level. If somebody's going to ride with you, you know, you change the station. Like, you you know what I'm saying? Like, when you're preparing for company, someone important coming over. Grandmama's coming over your house. Mom's coming over your house. You better clean that house. You prepare differently because you want them to feel comfortable. You want them to feel at home. Can I just tell you that we are building a place as a church that feels like home. Amen. That we prepare differently. We don't just show up. But we know that there's somebody that's coming today. We got guests. So we cling to a whole nother level. We prepare to a whole nother level. We set the tone for because we want you to know you belong in the family of God. God's not forgotten about you. He loves you. In fact, he's trying to open up the windows of heaven. We've got to teach you how to prepare. Teach you how to make space for people in your life that God is sending you. So when we talk about signing up for small groups, going to give you an opportunity to hear about those that you can sign up for it um, as we conclude today. I want you to keep that in the back of your mind that perhaps what God is trying to give you is going to come through the people that God sets in your life. Maybe you got the wrong people around you. I don't know. But what if God's going to give you some new people? New people that will allow you to be who you are. A safe place to find the healing and the restoration and the inspiration that you need to be who you are. And then in turn, not just receive. Yeah. Right? It's not just Thank you. Give me your, your time. It's, no, wait a minute. I'm an owner in this community. I'm going to act as creator, and I'm going to contribute, and I'm going to be there for you. Doesn't that sound good? So I want to pray this morning, and I want to pray this prayer that you would, that God would open your eyes to really see where you belong. You, you came here today because there was a sense of belonging that drew you here. And I, I really want to break it wide open. I really want your experience not to just be to come and to sit and enjoy, but to actually be like, you know what? I own this. And I'm going to make sure every person that walks through this door or every person that's around me or even in my life, this is practical. Think about it this way. Does your, if you're married, does your spouse feel at home with you? Do they feel like I can be myself around you? Or do they feel like I can be myself around some other people, but I can't really feel be myself around you? Do your kids feel like I'm home? I can be myself. This is where I want to. I don't want to be anywhere else. Or do they feel like they belong somewhere else? It's all practical. And we want to teach you. We want you to live free. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for today. As we hear about the different opportunities for small groups that we have, and as we begin this series of Making Room, man, it's exciting of how you want to show us that we belong, not just to you, but to your people. 
and Lord, some of us to this church. And we're grateful that you are giving us the opportunity and the space to know one another in a deeper level, to be a part of building a community that feels like home. And Lord, would you teach us to make room for the things that are important to you as we go over the next few weeks with this topic. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. I just want to celebrate. Give God's praise. Because we are going to do this.